Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Rusty Quill presents... Studio wants to revolutionize the way people see headphones making them not just a tech device, but also an accessory. With headphones, you either want them to look fashionable, but then they lack the proper sound quality, or you want them high-tech, but then they're bulky and not design-oriented. Studio, emphasizing its modern Scandinavian design, is looking to bridge this gap, competing with the highest-rated headphones on the market for a fraction of the cost. You can check out their whole range of headphones and earphones at studio.com, and be sure to use the promo code OSTIUM15 at checkout to get 15% off your purchase. I recently had a chance to check out the Tove earphones. Now, when it comes to earbuds, I'm pretty picky. I don't know if it's something to do with me not using them correctly, or I just have weirdly shaped ears, but I usually have trouble getting them to fit and sit right. With the Tove, it was easy. They fit into the cup of my ear with no hassle, and the sound quality is amazing. These sophisticated earbuds hold 7 hours of battery life, and come with a portable case that offers four additional charges for an amazing six days of battery life. What's so cool about them is I just pick them up and then they automatically turn on and connect with my paired device. Once I'm done, I just put them back in the case and they turn off. So I'm not just getting great sound quality with these earphones, but also stylish design and extreme convenience. They also come in five different colors. I went with the pastel blue. So head on over to studio.com and remember to use the promo code OSTIUM15 to get 15% off your order. And every purchase comes with a really stylish free tote bag. Check out the Ostium Instagram to see what it looks like. Once again, that's studio.com and promo code OSTIUM15 to get that 15% discount. And now, on with the show. take a bit more time than expected chatting with Zhang, catching up so to speak, but when I walk back and get on the cable car as it arrives, I feel a new man, a changed man. The jaunt back down to sea level is a quiet one, naturally, 
because I'm the only bloody one here. But I'm doing a lot of thinking. My mind is opening up like a cliché flower basking in a beam of sunlight, and the memories are pouring in like life-giving water. And now I've got a sour taste in my mouth. Thanks, brain. I enjoy the sunset on my trip down, with a view I never expected to experience in my lifetime. I savour every second of it. I arrive at the bottom and think, Oh shit, they've taken the golf buggy and left me with bugger all. I'm going to have to walk all the way back to the restaurant. Then I see an EV waiting for me. Oh, how nice of them. They must have got me one, or walked themselves. Probably found me one. I hop in and soon I'm zooming down an echoey empty street, the light weakening and disappearing, and I'm going as fast as I can, because I don't want to get stuck out here in the dark. I do find the switch for some headlamps, and that definitely makes things easier. It's not long before I'm where I want to be. Then I open it as quietly as I can. I can hear Jake and Mum chatting, laughing, and even possibly canoodling. Having a bloody good time by the sounds of it. It makes a warm place in my chest to be so close to these two. Honestly, we can be dealing with any old shit going on here and I'd be absolutely fine with these two next to me. They make things so much easier, and they always make me laugh. I suppose that's a reason to keep them around. Well, time to make my entrance. Hi, honey. Dave, good to see you, man. Hi, guys. Sorry I'm running a bit late. I had a lot I wanted to try and get out of Jean. And did you get it out of her? Jake, honey. One, you don't know that Zhang is a she. Two, you don't know what pronoun he, she, or they prefers. And three, that sounds fucking horrible. Please never say that again. As soon as the words were out of my mouth. Yeah, you get the idea. Anyway, uh, Dave, how did it go? Well, first off, it's Steve now. Permanently. Are you sure? Is this what you want? Don't let us or anyone or anything else pressure you into this. If you want to be Dave for the rest of your life, that's perfectly fine by me. By us. Yes, definitely. Whatever you want, man. Thanks, guys. That means a lot. But I had some time to think about it. That cable car ride felt longer than usual, but in a good way. And now I'm ready. Good. I'm very happy for you, honey. Thanks, Mum. I'm ready to be Steve. And I'm ready to tell you what happened to me. All of it? Yes, all of it. You remember it all? With Zhang's help, it's all been unlocked now, so to speak. Set free in the paddock of my mind. And I want to tell you both what happened to me. Mm, but first, dinner. Oh yeah, it's just about ready. 
Come on, we need full stomachs for this. Sounds lovely. Wow, delicious. That was a meal fit for a king. I thought you said the same thing yesterday. Well... Plus, your mom helped with this one. Well... Steve, are you saying Jake's cooking is better than our combined cooking? No. Well, which one is better? Yesterday's or today's? Um, how about dessert? Smooth move. Or is that cool move? Why? Because we're having ice cream. Huh? For dessert, we're having ice cream. I don't get it. Ice cream, which is cool because of the ice and being frozen. And hey, wait a minute. Are you fucking with me? Gotcha. (laughs) I'll get the dessert. Are you sure you're ready for this to tell your story? Yeah, I am. I'm sure. I just don't know how long it's going to take. I don't want to keep you two up late unnecessarily. Honey, we're going to stay up as late as you need us to. As late and as long as you need to tell your story the way you want to. To the end. Until you're satisfied. I think we could probably rustle ourselves up some coffee if we need to. If we need it to stay awake. Coffee sounds good does, doesn't it? I don't think we're going to need it to keep our eyes open. Your story is going to have us hooked. Trust me. But coffee would be good. Yeah, it would. Let's eat the ice cream first, and then I'll start boiling some water for coffee. You ready to start, Steve? Yes. I've been thinking for a bit exactly where I want to start, and I know it has to be at the right beginning. The right one for you, Mum, and the right one for me. That would be when the people in charge first came to me about going through the first door. We'd all been learning and revising and relearning for weeks. Felt like there wasn't really anything left to be learnt. We were just waiting for something new to happen. They even let us go to the Ostium place while it was still being built. It was incredible to actually see the thing we'd been talked to and learnt about for so long. And then one day two blokes came to my apartment when I didn't have any classes. Completely unannounced. Scared the shit out of me to be honest. I didn't really know what to do, what to expect. I offered them tea, with a straight face mind you. It was bloody hard. Do you remember their names? Um, they just gave me their surnames. Let me have a think. Uh, Keelan and Takaya. Yeah, that was them. You sure? Yep. Positive? Yes. Why? It's, uh, it's not important right now. Keep going. Okay. So before they'd even tried the tea, the Keelan bloke said we're ready to have someone go through the ostium door, and we want it to be you. 
I was, well, I was gobsmacked. Couldn't bloody believe it. Out of all the people in Gibraltar, I'd been the one chosen. The chosen one, essentially. We all knew it was going to happen eventually, didn't we? Yes. We were all wanting it to happen. It's what we'd been working towards. All that learning and revising and practicing and classes and teachers and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then it happened. To me. I was told right there and then. It was me. I didn't get to decide where or when I wanted to go. That was something that was going to come later. Right now there was one door I'd be going through. To a specific place. And that was it. I had to decide right at that moment. No time to think about it or have any second thoughts I suppose. It was decide now or then move on to someone else. I had to say yes. I'm sorry mum. For not letting you know. For not talking to you about it. I wanted to. Really I did. But they wouldn't let me. It's okay, honey. I know it was something you couldn't say no to. I don't think I could have either if it had been me. But as soon as I found out... I know. I know because they told me. After I said yes, I'd do it, no matter what. They said I had to keep it a secret. That it was going to happen that afternoon, leaving me barely any time to prepare for it, both mentally and physically. But that's how they wanted it in case I never came back, which is sort of what happened to me. If they lost me, they wanted to have their cover story ready for when the shit hit the fan. I didn't fully realize this until later, until I was an ostium and couldn't go back. They told me I couldn't bring anything with me other than the clothes on my back. So dress warm, they said, knowing full well where I was going, while I hadn't a bloody clue. And then the time came. I'd spent those precious few hours at home, just savouring where I was, and trying to control the building excitement in me. It was just the other one this time, Takaya, and he took me away in one of the EVs to that special building I'd never been to before. The one we found and checked out? Yeah, that one. I might have passed it once or twice before, but it was strictly off-limits to the likes of us so it never entered my head to try and see what it was like inside. But they took me through, checked me in, assigned my name a few times on some datapad, and then was taken deeper inside. They gave me a new datapad. I'd left mine at home, as I'd been instructed to do. This new one, they said, wouldn't have all the same abilities as my usual one, but it would allow me to do video and voice recordings, which is mainly what they wanted me to do, to document everything that was happening to me, everything I was experiencing in Ostium. This told me pretty clearly, without them saying in so many words, that they had no bloody clue what it was going to be like for me on the other side, in Ostium. And once I went through that one door I was supposed to go through. It wasn't exactly encouraging to hear this, but my heart was already thumping like a John Bonham bass drum, and I was sweating and thankful they didn't take my blood pressure, because it would have been through the roof. This was just part of the plan, part of the mission, part of my job that I was about to start doing, my real job. Everything before had been practice, training, getting me ready. This was the real McCoy, the actual thing I was here to do. I knew it was a monumental first step, just like Neil Armstrong on the moon, just like those people who went into space for the first time, just like those first people who took to the skies, just like those people who decided to go into the unknown and find out what the fuck was going on on the other side of the hill. 
Now it was my turn. The first person in Ostium. <sighs> One small step through a doorway, and voila, history made. I was ready. And even if I wasn't, I told myself over and over, a mantra, that I was ready, whether I liked it or not. It was then they finally bloody told me where and when I'd be going through that one and only door. They told me that door would have a number two on it. The door that had a number one would be my living quarters, with a place to sleep, a toilet and shower, and a kitchen stocked with food. Anything and everything I could need, essentially, according to them. They showed me a digital map of the place. Mum and I had been there with everyone else when we'd first had that chance to check it out, but things weren't finished yet. A lot of stuff was still being built and organised, so the map felt completely different to that place we'd been to. They showed me where I'd be arriving, where my home base was going to be, and where door number two was. I asked them why I couldn't have this nifty map on my datapad. They said my new datapad was empty right now, because they weren't sure what would happen to any files that were on there once I went through the door to Ostium. They thought it would all get wiped or corrupted. I then asked them how they expected to get all these recordings they wanted me to do back to them. They said there was a specific contingency plan in place upon completing my mission. In the cupboard under the sink at the very back, stuck to the top, was a box. Inside were specific instructions about what I was supposed to do once I'd finished up with everything. They talked about it as if it was going to be real easy, like a stroll down the lane, having some lunch in the park, feeding the ducks, and then coming home. All done and sorted. No problems. I didn't believe them for a second. But I knew I was too deep in it already and couldn't turn back now and change my mind. I wouldn't turn back now. Finally, they told me what I'd find on the other side of door number two. I was travelling to the year 1587, to an island called Roanoke. They didn't really need to give me the details. I knew the story, the history already. It was part of all that training. They knew that and didn't bother going into any further detail on the subject. They told me I was to search the area for a whole hour, gather as much information as I could, make as many video and audio recordings as I could, document it all to the best of my ability, and then come back to Ostium, have a rest, get a good night's sleep, eat when I needed to, and the following day I was to do the same bloody thing all over again. And after that was done, do it all over once again. Then... After all that, I was to read those very secret and hidden instructions and carry them out. Alright then, I thought. Seems pretty easy, but very likely won't be. Almost tedious with how they're describing it. But I was just as shit scared as I had been when they first told me what I was going to do five hours ago. Then they said it was time. I got myself as ready as I could, slipped the data pad into an inside coat pocket that was big enough, and followed them to the room. The room where we found the door to Ostium. Yeah, that one. For the first time in my life, I knew what it was like to be an animal in a cage. They opened the door to the room and waited, saying nothing. I got the hint and walked in. No goodbye or good luck or anything. They shut the door firmly behind me, spinning the lock in place with a loud clunk. And then they watched me through the glass window, waiting for me to do my thing. So I gave them a sarcastic wave and toddled over to the other door in the room. I tried to keep my hand from shaking as I reached for the door handle. I think I did a pretty good job of it. 
then turned and opened it onto darkness. That was when I peed myself a little. It was just so black. No indication of anything in there. Just complete and utter night. And as I stepped through, closing the door behind me as I'd been instructed to, all I could think was, Oh shit, I didn't bring any extra underpants. 1st thing I did when I was on the other side was I pulled out the data pad and checked to make sure everything was working. It was. I didn't really know why I did that at the time, but having thought on it a bit, I believe it was because it was my one and only connection with the Ostium network, with the world I'd just left. When we came through that first time, the door was left wide open and we could all see the way back as easy as pie. This time, once I was through, that door was closed and my way back was gone. Hence the specific instructions once I carried out the mission. It was weird. Bloody weird. Being there completely by my lonesome. But I knew what was done was done. And I was here. And it was all up to me now. So I put one foot in front of the other and walked into my new home for a bit. Did you enjoy your stay at the Ritz? You what? Oh, right. Yes. It was lovely. Yeah, definitely going back there again. It was just like they said it would be. Comfy bed, fully stocked kitchen, lots of tin foods, a working toilet, which is important when you're eating all those tin foods. But by the time I got there, it was late afternoon. It had already been a traumatic day, to say the least. So I made myself some dindins, cleaned everything up, and then went to bed. I was bloody tired, and I slept like a baby. Next morning I was up early, feeling refreshed and ready to go through that door. It took me a little while to find where door number two was. I didn't have that digital map, so I had to recall it from memory. And I don't have your photographic memory, Jake, so it was bloody hard. Sometimes I wish I had never mentioned the memory thing. But do you? Do you really? And it has allowed for endless jokes, right? Yeah, yeah, just... Get on with your story. Alright, touchy. Anyway, today was going to be the day and I had no bloody clue what was going to happen. Next I found that map table, which helped wonders to point me towards the right door. But I didn't know if I was going to make it through to the end, if I was going to survive or what. So before I went to the door, I recorded a message on the datapad. A video. For you, Mum. In case things got weird and I never saw you again. I wanted some record, a message telling you what had happened to me. Just something, so you wouldn't always wonder. And something that might give you hope if you were looking for me. Because I knew you would be, whether the Ostium network would let you or not. Once that was done, I left. I found the door and it opened without any problems. 
and I stepped through before I could have any second thoughts. I didn't really know what to expect. I'd been told it was Roanoke in the 16th century, but it wasn't a historical period I was very familiar with. More American history than British. Not part of my repertoire, if you know what I mean. The first thing I noticed was how green it was, like the Lake District, where I'd been on holiday a few times with friends. It made me think there must get a lot of rain here to keep everything so green. The ground was all green, lots of green trees, oaks possibly, and I saw this wooden fence in the distance, just as you described it, Jake. But then I saw there was something wrong, something very wrong. Was it something to do with the trees, or the wooden palisade? No. No. It was much worse than that. It was something wrong with this reality I was in. I turned my head, and Roanoke just stopped being there. It was as if someone had drawn a division line, ending it there, like a painting or drawing that just cuts off. On the other side of that invisible line was a metal wall and floor and this bloody great big window looking out on a reddish-orange desert. It was... It was bloody unbelievable. I think my head started hurting, like when you're looking at two images and one is out of focus, or just off, and starts to do your head in. I wondered what the bloody hell I was looking at, and then saw the spaceship through the window, plonked in the sand like it was a completely normal thing. I didn't have a clue what I was looking at at the time. But you now realize it was the Martian landscape. Right. Though if I'd known, I don't know if it would have made a difference. I was so... (laughs) discombobulated. There was probably a part of me that was pretty certain I was going bonkers. But that wasn't the end of it. I kept swiveling my head to the right, and there was another hidden line of separation, and a new scene. A dark blue ocean and an old ship. I could just make out the name on the back. The Mary Celeste... Yes. To me it meant nothing. It made as much sense as everything else I was seeing. What I did know was that this wasn't right. It was very bloody wrong. Whatever they'd planned on at the Ostium Network, it wasn't this. And if I was scared before, now I was beyond terrified. It's the sort of shit you see and think, well, I'm not going to make it out of this alive, am I? Of course, I'm able to approach it this way now because I did. These three dimensions, for lack of a better word. I'm pretty sure that's what they were, which were all converging in this one place with me in the middle, took up my horizon. So I had little choice but to turn back to the door I'd come through, wanted to get the fuck out of this place. Except the door had closed. I'd made sure I kept it open when I came through, just so I'd have a way out if I needed it. I didn't hesitate. I just turned the handle and opened it, and stepped through, looking to save my ass. I stepped into the blackness, but I didn't end up back in Ostium. I'm sorry. I'm taking my time because I'm still trying to put it all together. I remember what happened, but there's also me viewing it through the lens of time, knowing everything now and knowing exactly what happened. I didn't know for sure for so long. I was in the complete unknown. I'm also trying to put it into words for you now, to make sense of it all. Honey, you take as much time as you need. If you're not ready... No, I am. I know I am. Only if you're sure, man. Maybe 
just tell and don't worry about how it all comes out. If it's jumbled, we can help piece it together. If it doesn't make sense, we'll work it out. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> okay, then. I woke up and found myself inside a flat. Well, not exactly. It was the shell of a flat. The structure of a building that wasn't finished yet. But even though it was during the day, there were no workmen around. I don't know if it was the weekend, or a bank holiday, or they were all just scarping. There were two things that were very worrying for me. A. I'd completely lost my memory. I didn't remember who I was, where I was, or how I'd gotten there. And B. I was starkers. With hindsight, I'm able to process this a little more. Whatever that place was on the other side of door number two, it was a major fuck-up. Something that was never meant to happen. Something that was never meant to be. A mutation of what Ostium was supposed to be able to do. So I think when I went through, and the door closed behind me, it severed me from Ostium. Probably permanently. (laughs) No bloody clue. When I opened the door again, it was to somewhere else. And some when else. London, apparently. And going through there literally stripped me of all my personal belongings. Hence being naked and not knowing who I was. And of course, it was just then that someone walked into the room. A middle-aged black woman. She screamed. I screamed. And we had a long, awkward moment. When I started trying to explain what had happened to me, I think she could hear the pleading in my voice. The earnestness. Or she just had a very good heart and soul. She believed my story, gave me her coat, told me to wait and came back half an hour later with some McDonald's, a t-shirt, track bottoms and a pair of flip-flops. They were a little small, but I was so grateful. I at least remembered how to speak English properly, so not everything was gone. The woman who helped me... It's funny. For the life of me, I can't remember her name. No matter how much I try. Well, she took me to a hospital... St. Stephen's. It's a mental hospital. They were very nice there. I stayed for six months. They did everything they could to try and help me remember who I was. What happened to me? No such luck. After six months, we all pretty much agreed there was nothing that could really be done to get my memories back. They seemed to be permanently gone. And that was that. We were all on the same page about this. They found an elderly couple who were willing to let me stay with them for a bit so I could get back on my feet. You see, to me, I felt like I'd just forgotten who I was and what I did. Obviously, I'd been someone in London or England and had a job and a family. We thought within those six months, my family would have gotten in touch with me. Someone would have been looking. But I couldn't spend the rest of my life in that hospital. So I went to live with Bob and Eileen. After a year, I started calling them mum and dad. They didn't mind. They never had children, though they'd always wanted to. It had just never happened, never worked out. So that was my life for a bit. It felt... lovely, and routine, and normal. I'm really happy you found someone, some life to live. I can't imagine what it must have been like. But I'm very glad you found someone and something to live for. Thanks, Mum. (sighs) Unfortunately, the good times didn't last that long. One year, almost to the day, I swear it was, when I started calling them mum and dad, dad just disappeared. Never came home. No one knew what had happened. And before I could truly wrap my mind around it, mum disappeared next. 
I was heartbroken, really destroyed by it all. Fortunately, I had a few friends who were there for me as I went through. Grief, I suppose. All that grief. I'd been legally adopted by Bob and Eileen by that point, and when nothing was learnt about them, they were declared legally dead. There was a will, and they left everything to me, which was both wonderful and horrible at the same time. I had the house, and I had some money, and I had a job. So I was alright on my own, considering everything. That was when I started wondering if everything that had happened to me hadn't been an accident or a coincidence. If there was some reason behind it all. Or maybe even someone or a group of people. Yeah, I know, it sounds very conspiracy theory, but I was really into the X-Files at that time, and all that sort of stuff. Steve, do you remember when this was? What year? Oh, of course I do, you plonker. It was 1999. Oh my god. Yeah, bloody incredible, isn't it? I went through that door and back in time. I suppose I should be happy I didn't end up in the Middle Ages, or somewhere much worse. But that's when I got the first idea for Emu, Enigmatic Mysteries of the Unknown. I started putting it all together for an episodic podcast. I hadn't seen anything else like it online, so I thought I was doing something new and unique. Got myself a simple website on GeoCities and started uploading the recordings. Started getting a fantastic reception almost right away. It was a little bit weird, honestly. <laughs> and then I found Ostium. Your recordings, Jake. That changed everything. And the rest of the story, you know. That's... Well, I'd say that's unbelievable if I didn't know all the steps after that led to you being here with me and meeting back up with your mom. It's a truly incredible story. Been through so goddamn much. Yeah, tell me about it. I don't know how you did it, but I'm so grateful that you're here now. That we're all together. Yeah, me too. But I'm feeling bloody knackered now. I can hardly keep my eyes open. You head off to bed then. Jake and I can finish cleaning all this up. We'll see you in the morning. Are you sure? Jake? Definitely, man. You get some shut-eye. Alright then. Night to you all. Love you, Mum. Love you, sweetie. I'm back in the golf cart and driving slowly back to my flat. I'm very tired. That was lovely food. And it definitely feels like a big weight has been lifted off my chest now that I've got my story out. Told them and made myself realize everything that's happened to me. It's been a bloody lot. I don't know where Jake's going to be sleeping tonight, and I wasn't going to ask. It's none of my business, really. But I know him and Mum were shacking up together back in Ostium, and if they want to keep doing that... I'm perfectly alright with it. We're all adults here. And here we are then. God, I can't wait to get under those covers. As they say, tomorrow is another day. Hey everyone, Alex Italander here. Every day now there's something on the news about climate change. Whether it's big corporations, small towns, entire countries, or indigenous groups affected, it's across the entire globe and we're all involved. But there are times where it feels there's only so little we can do. We recycle as much as we can, 
We pay attention to where we shop and buy what we need, but ultimately, we end up feeling pretty helpless. Arcadia Power is a place where you can make a difference. If you sign up for Arcadia Power, you can feel good knowing that 100% of the energy being supplied to your home, whether you rent or own, is being supplied by clean, renewable sources. I was using PG&E before and thought it was going to be a hassle to switch. It wasn't. It was so easy. I even got to pick what type of renewable energy I wanted. I went with wind power, and each month I get to see a graph with a breakdown of my renewable energy usage and my clean impact. All the information you need is at arcadiapower.com slash ostium podcast. I know it's not a lot, but I will fully admit I feel a little better about myself now, knowing I'm doing what I can to help fight climate change. And now you can too, just by signing up. Plus, you'll be helping support this show too. So, win-win. Just head on over to arcadiapower.com slash ostium podcast. This episode was written and produced by Alex C. Talander. The voice of Jake is performed by Chris Fletcher. The voice of Monica is performed by Georgia McKenzie. The voice of Steve is performed by Alex C. Talander. Sound effects are courtesy of the wonderful people at freesound.org. The music featured in this episode, all from the Free Music Archive, is Osprey, American Widgeon, Stellar's J, all by Chad Crouch, 2 by Bismarata. Did you know there are many ways you can help support Ostium? You can tell a friend about the show, or talk about Ostium on social media. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and let us know, and we'll send you a free sticker as a thank you. And if you really want to help us out, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ostiumpodcast, where you'll get access to a whole bunch of bonus content, like outtakes, the Ostium files, and even early access to new episodes. So check it out at patreon.com slash ostiumpodcast. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.